dad bod rap pod. The Mueller investigation didn't deliver, Jesus. but we, but we do, but we do. Nah, I I I really I feel bad for folks who put a lot of stock in that. I I had Trump beating the odds at like five to one. You know what I mean? Like I really. But I, I do feel bad for folks that for the last two years have kind of been staked their hopes on this. Yeah, that was going to turn out. I'm like, nah, dude, this ain't Scooby-Doo. The totally. white guy wins every time. Every, the <laughs> best tweet I saw about it, and I can't remember who posted it. Sorry, random Twitter person who's more clever than me was, uh, I can't believe the American government didn't arrest itself. <laughs> <laughs> True yeah. that. That's well, how these that. things work. And they, uh, I, I've read a bunch of threads. First of all, no one's read the report as of this recording. It right. hasn't been released to the public right. yet, so we don't actually know what's in it. Also, no when, picks, when Trump put Barr as the attorney general, that pretty much yeah. this was a foregone conclusion because he thinks an executive cannot obstruct justice. Yeah. So, and of course, they're going to find that the executive did not obstruct justice. Mm. so it's like yeah. they are justice that's a little philosophical for this you it know is, you know what i mean though. well it is it's the ba- it's the spider-man meme uh of, <laughs> of government trying to and roseanne barr putting her there that was a well-played trump um so roseanne, i just got that that's really funny <laughs> here all week uh She's like, it was the jews <laughs> <laughs> she's got bars <laughs> uh. blame it on the ambient uh we are the dad bod rap pod my name is Damone Carter, a.k.a. Dim1. Um, I guess the hip-hop Rachel Maddow for this uh, segment. <laughs> uh, I am joined by Nasty Nate LeBlanc. How's it going? What's up, world? Uh, doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. Monday. Monday. It sure is Monday. Yep. Yep. And we also have Dirty Dave Ma. How's it going? What's going on, man? Really good to be here. Enjoying this uh, Cannibal Ox weather. You know I know. I mean? Totally. When it was like... Um, <laughs> Karina and the waves weather over the weekend. Totally. <laughs> exactly. Cannibal Ox with the cold vein? Yeah. yeah totally. Okay. All right, it's like all right. dark, stormy. Yeah. Hey, guys. My joke for people who don't get it, walking yeah. on sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Okay. Um, and, and that's so sad, guys, because it's like seriously 68 and like lightly <laughs> cloudy. But to us, it is fucking deadly. Um, so we are we are here. We are back. Another podcast where we comment on all things rap and all things rap adjacent. And speaking of rap adjacent, um, Nate LeBlanc apparently hit the lottery and got Hamilton tickets. First of all, how the fuck? Lucia LeBlanc put, uh, my wife, put considerable effort into this. We submitted to get tickets many times um, once it came to San Francisco. And it's finally, we finally got it for a couple weeks ago. Um, I'll just do my spiel. I've had to do this like every family member and my whole <laughs> office with the day afterward. I took like a half day off and we went up to San Francisco and had a really lovely day. So like right, right. I was in a good mood. We had a great dinner, a Nordic restaurant called Play. Reindeer? Uh, P-L-A-J. No, reindeer. Had like okay. a braised beef cheek. Okay. Lovely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, herring a bunch of different ways as an appetizer. Right. It, was, right. it, was, it was great. Um, really good restaurant. Um, stoked on that. So anyway. Um, I get why people freak out about it. It's a very good show. It's very well written. It's very well paced. Except for one thing, I think it's a little front loaded. All the kind of hits are in the beginning, really? Um, really? which is mm. it's a grabber. Like you mm. can't you can't be like not impressed by the first like fifteen minutes of it in particular. Okay. All the stuff you've heard of just people like quoting Hamilton happens off top. Got it. So, um, I just can't shake the feeling 
that the style of rapping that he applied to both this history, which is pretty dense and naughty and like um, thick, right, and to the Broadway show, right, which right. the big innovation is it's the first hip hop musical, right, right. Um, it's corny. Yeah, it's yeah. So the it, it style of rapping is corny, dude. Okay. It's like I would okay. think it was corny if someone did it at like a poetry event. I would right. certainly think it was corny if someone got past the mic in like a freestyle cipher mm-hmm. and right. started like talking about Aaron history. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Um There's something about the delivery that you need to do. You need to like a certain level of elocution to give these like non-rap listeners right. the entree into the hip hop uh. patter. Okay. That makes it corny. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. as we're leaving, my wife's like, so what? It's like the world's greatest book report. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, pretty, pretty much. much, dude. And when when this goes through its cycle and gets made into a movie and like high school kids are allowed to do the play, like you're never going to see anything else. Like I get why theater people freak out about mm, it. Right. And why like hip hop people co-signed it. Like there's a whole like scene that's the 10 crack commandments like redone as like the rules of dueling. And it's like. I was just looking around the theater and I'm going like, am I the only person who Pretty gets much. this reference? Pretty much. Mm. And yeah. there's there's a, um, a prodigy reference that's, you know, it's like it's entry level for us. But for a normal person, they're probably not super into memorizing shook ones. Right. Uh, the son has a thing where he's like, he's only 19, but his mind is old. And I'm okay. just like, is anyone getting <laughs> yeah, yeah, this? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm just man. looking around and I don't think that anyone does. Not that I'm special. I'm just a person who likes a lot of rap music. So right, right. there's little like Easter eggy things where it's like he's reaching out to like the, the rap head. Mm. And I appreciate that. I like seeing people excited about this kind of thing. But I also just don't want them getting the idea that this is what hip hop is. This, this right. is a this Broadway is musical version of hip hop, and it's kind of like why I hated that movie um, or the Netflix series or whatever it ended up being. Oh, the the musical. Yeah, what uh, what was it? Baz Luhrmann's. You're not uh, talking about get, get on down. down. The get, get down. on down. Get the get down. The, the, get, the down. get down. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. horrible. It's Jeez. like I don't want people Jeez. thinking this is what the Bronx was like in right, the seventies. Right. Like it's West Side Story, but also Moulin Rouge, but also rapping and singing. Jimmy yeah. Smiths. He Jimmy Smiths was yes. standing on the pile of rubble. That's literally when I turned it off. Horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I, I, I'm not happy. Bad, yes. bad exactly. news bears. Totally. I just the. Yeah origin story of hip-hop is very close to all of our Absolutely. hearts, right? right? And it's like, you don't want to see it rendered in these, like, day-glow totally. tones. Totally. Well, well, not and that's not, top, like, right? what Hamilton is. It's, okay. it's it's like the... I don't know. It's just, there's something about it that I couldn't, like, shake. Okay. And, okay. and we considered leaving at halftime. Wow. Yeah, but we paid way too much for these tickets. That's what I'm saying. Lucia wasn't having yeah. that. So, no, she was like, yeah, I kind of get really? it. And I'm really? like, I kind of get it, too. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was it was cool. It's really good. I get it. I'm not going to, like, seek it out really again. Right. Um, right. The song I really liked is more of a uh, – it's one of the singing songs, not one of the rapping songs. Okay. It's like King George's song. It's called You'll Be Back. And it sounds like a kinks or like zombies or like British invasion mm. thing, which, again, is like a clever thing to do for like the king of England right, right. in this American story. And he comes back a couple of times and like, dude, just again, the cast was amazing. They were super tight. You can throw this show with like 13 people all playing different roles and stuff. Right. right. I, Get just a, a role switchy thing. Uh, the whole first act, the dude Lafayette, which is the David Diggs role, and they even had another light skinned dude playing him at our uh, showing of it in San Francisco. Uh, raps in like a fake phony French accent, like that was killing me. Was it? Yeah. And then one of the guys had kind of like a 
old school like whip or whip kind of like <laughs> I'm doing this thing with my Date. arms. You guys could see it's, it's just a really dated rap style. Like okay. even on top of okay. how like it's book report rap already, then he's doing it as like he's like in the treacherous three or something. But okay. like that's not appropriate for all of the things he's like saying something sad you know it's like it's like that's it's like this is this is weirding me out like i don't like the way this dude raps and like if it was a rap show i would have been like i i'm this dude is not doing it for me but since it's a play there's nowhere to go he's not going anywhere he comes back as different characters later yeah and then the guy who plays alexander hamilton the lin-manuel miranda role I felt like was kind of doing Lin Manuel mm. rather than putting his own spin on it. At least he was doing it Lin Manuel. Hey, <laughs> he was doing it Lin Man. I. <laughs> so it's cool. I get why people like it. Come at me if you're not feeling this take. Sure. No one has felt this take so far. I go out to lunch with my dad the next week, and he's like, "So what? You're the one guy in the universe who doesn't like Hamilton?" Ouch. And I'm like, "If that's how it has to be, that's how it has to be." I feel like I have very valid criticisms based on my like lived experience yeah and like a, yeah. A, someone who really cares deeply about hip-hop right and who knows a little bit about history and a very little about broadway plays i mostly care about it as like this worldwide phenomenon that's this expression of hip-hop culture right okay so okay. it's it's really good you're seeing if you here. get a chance go see it okay, okay. king george song awesome well-written show another thing is like as like a you know amateur writer or whatever i would love to get on a streak like he got on where he unlocked that matrix of how to make all this fit together like mm -hmm. that's impressive dude it's yeah. a he must have been, achievement like, there must have been like lightning flying out the end of his pen like he he got on a fucking roll and you can just tell like it all started to click for him and he figured out how to put this really dense material into this way that can be appreciated by so many people that's it's lovely but also corny also corny all right yeah book, it's book like some slam rap. poetry book mm. report rap that's hilarious. Okay, okay. there were, that was uh, I don't know if you guys have, have seen the LeBron program, The Chop. The I've Shop. never watched that. The Shop. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's I decent. Like it. I saw it I on like a plane. It. But Gerard Carmichael had basically your take. He was right. like, "This reminds me of when they brought those kids in seventh grade to rap to us about multiplication." Right. <laughs> he's exactly. like, he's like, that shit is whack. But, um, but you know, in the in the famous words of uh, Brandon Peters, who was on the show, um. You know, you can appreciate some well-executed bullshit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you can appreciate some well-executed bullshit. That's fine. Yeah, um, yeah. All right. So wow. there, there's cultural touchstone number one. Number two, um, some of our uh, favorite TV personalities made their way to a subscription cable, and that would be Jesus and Mero, which I'm sure mm. a bunch of DadBot listeners are also fans of the show. Just wanted to kind of see how you guys felt about the new – the new Jesus and Mero. Yeah, we the touched new. a little bit about that last time. We were time. off air. We yeah, were off oh, we air. were? Yeah. <laughs> That's Dad, our best material. I know. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I only saw the first episode, which was with uh, AOC, and, you know, she really can never do wrong with me right now. So, yeah, I've been seriously killing it. But, I mean, I guess the thing I miss most is just, like, sort of, like, going home and, the and, you know, doing dishes with Jesus and Mero in the background. This sort of daily... You know, yeah. affirmation of having them there. Operation. Yeah, nice. Wow. <laughs> Which is hard to earn. Go ahead. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah. It was their moment. Uh, oh, just kidding. Yeah, just kidding. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I um, I I don't know. I 
I, I, all the fervor about the skits not being that funny. I thought they were funny. I, I mean, think it's fine. I, I, but I, I still would probably rather have them just banter. I, I know we minutes. do the same show every week, but imagine them getting to the heights of fame they have gotten to, and they, the, then now everyone just expects them to do the same thing forever. Right. Yeah. Like just right, them yeah. sitting around riffing is the funniest part. Yeah. But I think the skits are fine. I don't mind them leaving the studio every once in a while. Yeah, right. I don't mind. Right. I, I don't mind. I just talked a lot. So, Demo, what do you think? Um, I. I like it because Do you they have Showtime. I did. I got Showtime. You got Showtime for yeah, this. For, well, and boxing. I like, okay. I like okay. boxing a lot. Oh, that's but, impressive. Um, but I, I like the core of the show. They kept intact. So I really appreciate mm-hmm. that they didn't. You know, I was. My fear was it would be overwritten. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wasn't as worried about the skits, but I'm like, if they lose the banter as the the core of the show, so they kept that, which I dig. Um, you know, the interviews were always hit and miss for me. They don't, um, not, they don't go into any depth about anything. They're kind of like, so this is your deal. Tell us about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Which and makes they me, try to like riff on their answers, which it, is it, fine. It makes me feel good about our interview, yeah. interviews because it <laughs> seems like I at least go to Wikipedia before. Um, but I feel like my, my biggest, you know, quibble with it, if you will, is, is the fact that it's filmed. Yeah. There's just yeah. something about I, I'm looking at them being filmed. Filmed, it seems like an episode of like Taxi or Mash or some shit. Yeah. Like I really, it, it's hard for me. That's interesting. I, it's what you're. I think what you're uh, connecting with is the fact that it's not filmed. That it's on video. It's like the the way certain di- the digital video has a right, quality right. Mm-hmm, where right. uh, people call it like the soap opera effect. Right. Okay. There's a certain way that those things look because they were filmed on video at a time when everything was on film. Right. And if people have a motion smoothing on their TVs and it looks like everyone's in a play or it's in a right. soap opera, right. it's, mm-hmm. I find it very off-putting. It Same. takes me out of Same. the cinema of Same. it. I don't want to be in the room with the characters i want to i want to be watching a film of them doing it right and so i think you're experiencing like a very low level uh version of that Mm. yeah Mm. yeah you know also to your point earlier damone uh when we were talking about it last week is um the the studio audience about how they the sort of lack of you know being on on target with the jokes and you know you get like a weird delayed reaction that's interesting because they make each other laugh so hard if the audience (laughs) is not on board you're kind of like oh that joke didn't hit totally but in the previous iterations it cracked the other one up exactly so we don't have that barometer for whether or not it hit that's fascinating but I I do want to hear you know the production assistant or the um, intern you know laughing in the background just cackling because because they're on with the the comedy like their green book skit was actually pretty funny I thought it was good and and people It'll be the only time I ever watch that movie. Yeah, that's as close as I'm coming. But yeah, so it's you know it's the best of times, it's the worst of times. But um, I was watching it uh, in a hotel and I saw their names come up as executive producers, and I don't know why I got I got kind of proud about that. I'm super proud. Yeah, yeah, I got kind of like, oh shit, man, they're out here doing it. Totally, I I think they're. The way they're handling success is awesome. They're really upfront about like, oh, we got Showtime money. We don't have to worry about that. Like, right. it's great. They're right. just like super. They're super real. Totally, totally. Um, and they, they, you know, seemed like unchanged. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. I, there was this really interesting part. This is for deep watchers of the show. Um, it, it actually was. I think they were on Jimmy Kimmel in the run up, and uh, Jimmy Kimmel asked a question like about to Jesus about whether or not he's like involved with Mero's kids, and it was like he's like. 
No, dude. I don't <laughs> hang out with kids. He's like, I'm single and newly famous. Like, I'm not trying to like hang out with any little kids. Like, he's like, I'll I'll, I'll say what's up if I see him, but I'm, yeah. no, I'm not like an uncle figure for them. Like, yeah. he's got his own family. Like, it was su- that that was such interesting insight for me into their relationship. Yeah, which like yeah. they are coworkers. They they met on Twitter. Yeah, right. Like, right. They they yeah. like they're it's not it's like Key and Peele actually. Mm-hmm. They were not a comedy team who got a show. They were a show who needed a comedy team, team. essentially right, to replace right. Chappelle's show, right, uh, right? Which I saw us this weekend. If you guys want to talk about that anytime, really? I have thoughts. Really, uh, but it might be a little too soon. P- most people have probably not seen it yet, but uh, yeah, really good. Uh, okay. Anyway, so I love the new Jesus and Mero, and I was super late to Jesus and Mero. I didn't listen to the podcast. I barely caught the end of the Vice run. Mm-hmm. I just think they're funny. Yeah, yeah I like yeah. watching them talk because 100%. the way they talk is super interesting and they're super duper funny. Like just they're off the top quipping right. the unwritten part of the show mm-hmm. consistently makes me laugh more than anything else I watch on TV. And yeah. Their, and yeah. their HBO show was great. I mean, they would have, you know, different artists every day, different guests. You know what I mean? Which I thought like brought a lot of flavor to the show. Now it's like once a week, N- not to diss the new show. Yeah. But you know yeah, what I mean? I want that sort of everyday rotating cast. Totally. Here's an author. Here's fucking Lil Wayne. Right. Here's, you know, yeah. the sneaker right. dude. Yeah, but so. they, they're definitely at another stratosphere when they're like, right. here's, good Don, for them. here's Don Cheadle. Yeah, you know what totally. I mean? Right there. Right now it's Oscar winners. Yeah. yeah so it, it reminds me of like when your favorite group gets the deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gets the record deal. Yeah. yeah. Their and you're like, a little oh, overproduced. Yeah. You're like, oh, man, I hope they don't fuck it up. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, uh, we aspire for everything they have. So don't don't quote us. <laughs> totally. On, we should uh, be the next podcast to blow up like that. So <laughs> make it happen, America. <laughs> Speaking it into existence. Um, all right. So we have a, a dope show. We always have a dope show. This is episode 60 some odd. All right. God damn it. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it is crazy. Though I was reading a Joe Rogan article today and he's on uh, episode like 1200. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they... they're like 19 hours long. Yeah. I don't listen to Joe Rogan. It's I am actually going to send it to you because I know you listen to him. It's about his kind of like semi dangerous uh, right wing leanings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with, with him again, it's, it's you obviously it's know platform. how to filter. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, with him, it's like guests. And uh, yeah, he does. Some, uh, does have some views. I don't, uh, you know totally subscribe to but right. again he has other ones that i do right so it's like seeing a real ass dude with like long form journalism you know I don't who, get, who like, used I to be my, on like, wings I which know. is what i i'll never get wings. away from that news radio news radio news sorry radio. sorry uh, the, the <laughs> caption of the story it's on slate it's called the uh, joe rogan's galaxy brain if you guys want to check it out i saw that uh he, it's like i used to eat bugs and now i'm a thought leader and i actually think he hosted a show about he eating did, bugs he did. just not to quibble with slate's editorial right. department but right no, but I'm, i will i read that article i thought it was way off actually. okay but okay. anyways you anyways. read it all right joe joe rogan the male oprah uh um, no one ever says joe rogan joe rogan <laughs> no? am i the first to make yeah, that joke yeah <laughs> No Rogan, yeah. Um, <laughs> copyright Nate LeBlanc, who also, who also, we're gonna put it out there. He is the person who coined uh, Cracklib. Is that is that? <laughs> oh correct? yeah, I think I was the first when Madlib did his now kind of lightweight underground hip hop viral tweet saying he was considering doing an album with uh, Chris Crack. What do you guys think about it? And it kind of went nuts in our little sphere of rap Twitter. I was just like Cracklib immediately. <laughs> yep, yep, you're on it, man. Yep. That's so. that's that's why we have you on the team, bro. Yep. 
PB yeah. Wolf, you know the address. Send those royalty <laughs> checks when that comes out. Uh, I'm super happy for Chris Kragman. It seems yeah. like moving to L.A. was like the best possible right, thing he right. could have done. Not only did he not slow his pace, mm-hmm. the weed is so much better here. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw mm-hmm. the uh, track titles on the new album, but he just continues They're to awesome. kill the track title game. Right. It's It was tremendous. It seems like this is probably the best time, and this probably isn't the best for L.A., but all rappers move to L.A. Totally. Right? This is where it's at. Now, yeah. now I'm Gravity. seeing flyers every day where yeah. I'm like, oh, shit, downtown L.A. Yeah. You know? it, the gravity of the of the rap game. Right. Which, shit, that might be a future episode. The gravity of the rap game definitely feels like it's heading towards L.A. And you know what, Dave? That's a great segue for <laughs> the guest that we have coming up in a little bit. Um, he either goes by Kenny Siegel or Seagal, which we will clarify. Before once we, we get start him. the interview. Yeah, once we get him on the phone. But an L.A.-based producer who has worked with uh, a lot of dope MCs. He's got a new project with Billy Woods called Hiding Places, which is super dope. We got a, we had a chance to peep it out. So after the break, we will come back and we'll have our conversation with Kenny Siegel Seagal. <laughs> Right, Dead Broad Rap Pod. We have another dope guest on the program with us today. We have Kenny Siegel, uh, LA-based producer, who has a new record out with Billy Woods called Hiding Places, which is super dope. Uh, welcome to the program, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Right on. So let's let, let's start at the beginning, why don't we? Um, you uh, are like a musician, musician, correct? Yeah, I mean, I would say I'm more of like a studio composer, producer guy than a musician in that I can play a lot of instruments, but I'm not great at any of them. Okay, okay. So so when when did the hip-hop thing click for you? Like, when did you kind of really say that this is the direction that I'm going in? Well, so the very first thing that inspired me to, like, make music was when I was – I actually grew up in, like, the – maryland like dc area mm-hmm. and i was going to raves back then this would be like in the mid to late 90s uh and i was really into drum and bass music so i was trying to make drum and bass beats originally and okay. when i first moved to la in 97 for college i met some dudes that had a show at the college radio station that were doing drum and bass and they didn't really know how to produce they were like djs so we started hanging out. Uh, this was, this crew was called uh, the Helium Crew. Uh, and we would perform at Concrete Jungle, which was, mm. I don't know if you guys know a lot about L.A. history, uh, but Daddy Kev, before Low End Theory, he used to have a club that he threw with DJ Hive that was called Concrete Jungle. And it was like drum and bass in one room and hip-hop in the other room. Mm. And uh, at the time, there was a whole bunch of the Project Bloat MCs hanging out there. And that's how I first was exposed to the Project Load dudes was like in the, the hip hop room at Concrete Jungle and then started befriending like Peace from Freestyle Fellowship and mm-hmm. Abstract Rude and a bunch of dudes. And uh, 
through those friendships, that was really how I started making it. I was already making beats at the time, but I wasn't really, I didn't really have a focus. Like I made things that weren't drum and bass, but to me, they were all just like weird sample collage beats. And mm. then all of a sudden I was like, oh shit, I should make some hip hop beats because I'm hanging out with these dope MCs. Uh, and yeah, that was kind of, so that would have been like, yeah, like around like 99, I think maybe mm. 98, something like around then. Dope. So then you kind of, you kind of made yourself a fixture in the LA beat scene over time. Can you talk a little bit about like you, you started with the, the drum and bass part of it, but like for folks who don't know, like, can you talk a little bit about the LA beat scene and like low end theory and, and that whole vibe down there? Yeah, I was really fortunate in that I moved to LA like right around the time that both drum and bass in LA was exploding. And then as that kind of subsided in the early 2000s, uh daddy kev started low end theory uh i mean that must have been more like maybe 2004 2005 or something like that but uh it just kind of evolved around there was like this weird melting pot going on in la and like the post drum and bass age of people that were into electronic music but had kind of grown up with hip-hop music and then also like that was when i mean it was funny it was before dilla was super popular in the more mainstream sense that he is now but it was like when heads were like really into him and like like i remember i was really into like all the stuff that was like the the uma which was like q-tip and all those dudes uh and there was just like a whole bunch of like-minded people in la at the time i think and just kind of coalesced and it was one of those moments where yeah the whole world kind of got influenced by the meeting of the heads in LA. Mm. Uh, I mean, people kind of call me like that, like that I'm part of the beat scene. I, and I'm, I definitely am a part of that, but I was, ne- I was kind of on the peripheral of it. I would say like, I wasn't mm. one of the players back in that original era. I was more just at that time. I was really working with abstract root a lot, touring with him as a DJ and I was making music, but I just, I don't really think like my stuff was quite as uh, like part of the, that you know what i mean like like teebs yeah. and, and like yossi and all the original kind of dudes that and flying lotus and shit that like started that stuff we we'll give you credit for it if you want to take it but uh, we we admire <laughs> that you're putting yourself in your proper <laughs> position <laughs> um can you talk about um your project with self jupiter the cleaners and how that came to be and uh just kind of like what it's like working with him uh yes yeah, so like i was saying back in like the college days is when i met peace from freestyle fellowship and through that i kind of kicked it with with av a lot and mike and i and ac alone and Duke at the time was actually in prison so he was the one dude from fellowship that i wasn't really close to uh from back in the day and then once he was out i'm trying to remember how we really first like i recorded a song for him uh and then we kind of I don't really remember what really sparked us clicking at that moment, but we hung out a few times and I had a couple weird dark beats. Like the first cleaners album came out at a time when I, when team Supreme had first started and I was really experimenting with a lot of, like I was just getting exposed to like, like, a, like the kind of electronic trap type of beats mm-hmm. and like a whole bunch of that were just starting to pop at that moment. And like, yeah, we just kind of both had that, moment where you click with someone and and it, we were just on the same page and and that first album came out and i think that was really us both kind of searching for like what we were doing next and then when, when we did the second cleaners project i think that was much more of like a classic la album mm. in that like 
a little bit more rooted in hip hop and a less electronic. And then just like the cast of like characters of, of like the other, like the, the collaborators and stuff on that one. It's just all, yeah. I like, think it's the first one I've been listening to. It's almost kind of like a Dexterish, uh, like concept album where it's like they're, cl- he's like cleaning up the crime scenes, but also yep. like, you know, murdering. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of ex- inspired by, I don't know if you've ever seen La Femme Nikita. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, so Victor the Cleaner okay. is like a character. Uh, uh, and, uh, and like that, wait, am I saying the right, oh, maybe it's not La Femme Nikita. I'm, it's, uh, I'm sorry, it's, uh, what's the The professional. American... Oh, no, professional, um, yeah. uh, Bridget Fonda. Um, I know what you're talking about. Right, it's not even called the professional. It's it's called. Uh, dang it, we'll we'll figure it Point out. Point of no by return. Of- Is that what it's called? Point of no return. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you're the cleaner. I and saw that, that one first. That- <laughs> I believe, uh, but anyway, Victor the Cleaner is like the guy that comes like after they do the mob hit or something, and he, or after the assassination happens, and he like gets the bodies disposed of, and, and it's also a little bit like Winston Wolf from. Well, the funny thing is yeah, Winston yeah. Wolf, which is uh, in in Pulp Fiction, yeah, Harvey Keitel actually, in Pulp Fiction, yeah. right? That's based off of Victor the Cleaner, and Harvey Keitel is Victor the Cleaner in Point of No Return. Oh, so that was, like, all, wow. Crazy. Yeah, it is. Hey, Kenny, um, so, you know, we're jumping around through your career a little bit. And, um, you know, uh, you mentioned um, Project Bloodcats and everything. Um, I wanted to talk about um, you hooking up with Backwoods and Billy, uh, Billy at spe- especially, um, and as well as the new album, Hiding Places. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so I first kind of became aware of Woods and Elucid through Milo. Like when I was working with Milo on the first, on the on so the flies don't come like the first project we did together a lucid did a guest verse so that was kind of how i was first like I, I to be honest i wasn't really aware of all the stuff they were doing up until then mm. uh once that happened i think i started kind of emailing with a lucid and through that i gave him the track that became pergamum on mm. rome uh or the two beats that became pergamum and once that happened, I kind of, I think that was when I finally got in contact with Woods. And I, I, so my sister lives in Brooklyn and I go out there sometimes to, to visit and, or when I'm on tour and I was out there, I'm trying to remember why I was out there, but I was out there for some reason. And me and Woods, I kind of had a, on my agenda that it'd be cool to like hang out with Woods and we, we kept on missing each other and I was on my way to the airport. Uh, and I was like, I called him. I was like, dude, sorry, I missed, I missed the chance. And he's like, yo, I'm actually on the way to the airport. You just stop by and we'll smoke a blunt. <laughs> take it for a second. And like, we had this, it was just, I mean, it's similar. Pretty much anyone I've done a full album with is someone who I've had some connection with at some moment where we're like, mm. oh shit, we like the homies now. Like, mm, okay. like, I don't work very much with people that I like, don't have like a pretty close relationship with. Mm. Uh, just had this moment where we kind of like clicked when we we're hanging out. We, we even had this weird connection. We realized that we both, cause he, he kind of spent his childhood in a number of places, but part of it was in, in the DC area. And we realized that we both used to go to the same like independent comic book shop, like way back in the, <laughs> wow. around the same time. Like we, for all we know, we might've even like seen each other at some point way back then. Wow. Uh, okay. But we had this, and so I gave him a couple beats, and it just kind of started going back and forth over email. 
And then I was out there for the Soul Folks opening when Milo mm-hmm. did his show. Like, I was on the East Coast, and I came down, and we, we recorded some songs at Steel Tip Dove Studio. And then it just kind of, yeah, it just, it just snowballed from there. It, it kind of was like the first few months, it was a slow burn. And then one, there was a moment where we both kind of, like, like, for me, like, on a project, once I see the big picture, like, there'll be a moment where I start seeing the big picture and, like, understanding the vibe mm. of what we're doing. And once that happens, it often, like, clicks together super quick. Like, I just need to wait until I have that moment where I see it. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, we, I, part of it, maybe, you know, is, like, getting the advance so you feel like you're special. But I've listened to it twice. I think it's brilliant, dude. Like, it's such a great record. Um, just really like, yeah, just think it's phenomenal. Um, I'm wondering, like, how did you approach these beats? And, um, I guess I'm kind of obsessed with this guitar sound or some kind of string sound on the first couple of tracks. And like, I guess I'm wondering, like, did you have kind of like a sonic palette you wanted to use or is it just song by song? And like, how much of it is influenced by what he says? And like, how did, how did you create this album? Definitely a little bit, all those things. Uh, but, uh, so kind of how I was saying, like, there's this moment where I start seeing. So so most projects that I start with someone, I'll normally throw them a bunch of beats that I already have lying around, like, like send them a playlist, of maybe like 10 beats and be like, hey, is any of this stuff like spark your interest? And that's how this album started, too. I think I sent him a few beats like uh, the song Checkpoints, I believe, was one of those original beats I sent him. Uh, and then maybe like, in fact, I think the one right before checkpoints was also one of those original ones, uh, that he rapped on. And so once, once he, once someone chooses a few songs, I start kind of getting the vibe of like what we're going for. Okay. That makes and sense. Points. I got super excited because I've, although most people think of my stuff is like real jazzy and kind of mellow sounding, I've definitely dabbled in some more like, uh, like aggressive and like kind of psychedelic rock sounding mm. stuff in mm-hmm. the past. Uh, and I was really excited to kind of like flex it. And that was kind of in my head already what I thought might be a good mix, like for what, for like what Woods is doing and, and like something that would be different than what he's done in the past, but also like something that really like fits with, uh, with his whole like kind of aura and like vibe of his music. Uh, so then, yeah, it just kind of went from there. And then at the same time, I was also working with with my friend Ryan Crosby, who's a guitar player that I've played in bands with over the years and collaborated with a lot. Uh, we did a splice sample pack mm. that was all like lo-fi guitar sound. So like that first, the very first song, SpongeBob, mm-hmm. in fact, all those sounds are in my splice pack. Okay. Like, like one point I was going to make that the sound the, or the song on splice that it plays is like the example Oh, so, wow. like I, but then once once Wood spit that song on it, I was like, hell no! This is not <laughs> but, but like, uh, yeah. So that was kind of so that was also another thing that kind of influenced the sound. Is just at that moment, I was in the middle of chopping up like all of these guitar. We were recording a bunch of guitars, and amps, and guitar pedals and shit at my house. Gotcha. For that path, so we were kind of in that mode already. Uh, and then yeah yeah also the song spider hole the one that one also has some sounds that are in the pack so that one has some sounds that i also kept that like so i i like we made the pack but then at the last minute i was like dang there's like a couple of these that i might have to just not release to the public and make my own songs out of uh i think spider hole has one of those those little riffs in it as well uh 
Nice. Yeah, it was just yeah. that. I, I refer to it as like a woozy guitar. It gives it this like off kilter thing, and then Woods is so hard hitting, and like we were talking before we went on air, like his his verses kind of were like like series of quips and like profound statements that just like if you keep track, it adds up to the song, but they also work as like one off like one liners. It's just it's just totally brilliant. I'm like super into it. I know that's one thing that's really tough about Woods. Yeah, like uh, I've I've worked with. Pretty much all of the MCs that I've worked like extensively with have all are like pretty dense and like have a lot to unpack like their music and like it took me a minute to wrap my head when we first started working together it like took me a minute to even like wrap my head around some of these songs because back to the whole process what we were talking about the process so I sung, so that was like the sound palette was like the guitars and all that stuff that was happening but uh, a lot of times I like to send an MC a fairly bare bones sketch of like the beat i'm not the type of dude that has like a whole chorus verses like everything arranged out like ready to go song when i send it to someone i like to send them something fairly bare bones and then once they put some lyrics on it then i go back and i'm like okay how can i now that i see what where we're going with this mm-hmm. how can i finish this and like like compliment all the stuff they've done uh and bring it to that next level and like tell the story and like complete whatever like kind of world we're trying to create there uh so that was a lot of the process on this one too was like a lot of the beats were fairly simple or repetitive when i sent them to them and then afterwards i would like go back and like do some stuff kind of based off of what he did uh to like finish it up so kind of riffing on that how is your approach differ when you're doing like uh, more of a beat tape project as opposed to working with the MC? So you're saying you send kind of skeleton stuff. So with the beat tape, are these just like, is this stuff you have laying around or do you set out to like, I'm going to create the, this particular instrumental project? Uh, well, so like for the Ken instrumental series, which are like, I would say like all like beat tapes, those ones is, is normally stuff that I had like a Ken Strumentals project happens when I have enough loose tracks or like tracks that are like instrumentals of rap albums that I want to put out mm. laying around all of a sudden it clicks in my head, like a theme that they all kind of make sense amongst these tracks. A lot of times, like, you know, I'll be burning a CD in for my car to listen to and stuff. And I'll just all of a sudden be like, Oh man, these five tracks sound great together. Mm. That could be a problem. And then like mm. kind of build it around that. And like the Ken Strumentals ones are normally like, two-thirds things that have been released in some form or another, whether it's instrumentals for, or unreleased instrumentals of a rap song or something from some obscure project. And then the last third will be tracks that I make new that kind of tie it all together. Uh, but for those, I mean, the beat tapes are more just, to me, those are still mostly sketches, except for the rap song instrumentals. They're, they're, a lot of them are like fairly like unfleshed out ideas. While like mm. Happy Little Tree the project I put out last fall, right. that's like an instrumental album, uh, not a beat tape. Okay. And that, I mean, to be honest, I'm not really great at those albums. I mean, I, mean, I think that one turned out good. But I like, think it's pretty it's good. Yeah, same, same, <laughs> same. I'm living like, it. I, it takes me a really long time. To, I don't have a lot of, I don't, that, to me, that was the first album like that I've ever done in making music for almost 20 years because that's just something that it doesn't come very easily. And even that one, like some of those tracks were like, I'd started like four or five years ago. Like none of like, I mean, some of them were very new, uh, but many of them were ones that I had worked on for a long time before I was able to kind of figure out how to finish and put it all together. Uh, 
so yeah that was a much more that was a process more closer to like the way i make an album with a rapper only it just was in slow motion because i'm pretty good at making albums <laughs> quickly right. but like give some deadlines but, and some structure when you have someone waiting for it um can i ask you like some, a super nerdy question like, yeah sorry Is, are there any are there any parts on happy little trees where a bar just repeats or is there always something changing? And is that something that you thought about when you were making it? Uh, it's not something I thought about while I was making it. So I can't really confirm one way or the other. Okay. I do in general, just make things sound organic. And like when I have people play live shit, I'm not the type to just take one loop of the whole whole and loop it the whole time. I mean, I do sometimes like I'll find like, Let's say like it's the like the downbeat note. Like I'll find the nicest time he played that one note, and mm-hmm. every time that there's time where in the in the long take where it's not like super sweet sounding on that note, I might replace it or something like that. But okay. I'm not big, like looping things over and over again, yeah. and, unless it's that. I don't even want to say that because sometimes a rap song is all about having a tight one bar loop. Mm-hmm. In the yeah, for crazy. sure. If the song dictates it, yes, but in general, yeah, I like shit to be organic. Yeah, I was just listening to it yesterday in preparation for this, and I was just like, it moves so much, but then the songs are still songs. It's not like some kind of like jazz improv solo thing where it's just going places. So I just I just figured I'd ask since I had the chance to talk to you. <laughs> Thanks, because, I mean, that is something I do concern myself with when it's when I'm trying to make it sound organic and live is that I don't want it to sound like some jam. I want it to still be like ultimately a hip hop beat with like a pocket and all of that type of shit. So, Hey Kenny, uh, bringing it back to the uh, latest album, I want to touch on a track that was kind of a standout to me. It's kind of where the, uh, the beat and the uh, lyrics really marry. Um, the track is red dust. Uh, it's a little bit later on the album. Can you talk a little bit about that, please? Yeah, that one was actually so. There's a few songs where Woods actually sent me a sample and was like, "Hey, like, do you want to flip this?" And mm. that was one of those ones. Uh, it's uh, it's a song. Dang, now it's, I should have been in preparation for this. I should actually I shouldn't really even tell you guys what song it is. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> but he had sent, he had sent me a song that he liked that he was like, "Hey, maybe you could sample this," and I did. Uh, and then those drums, like that was just like a happy accident. Like oh, normally wow. when I have distortion on something, it's because I, I'm using guitar pedals. This was actually a plug-in happy accident where mm. I had some like compressor set to some setting that it probably shouldn't have been set to on the whole drum bus. And it, I, and the, and the kick would hit with that cymbal and it sounded all that kind of way it breaks up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy shit, that sounds so tight. Mm-hmm. And I just went with it. Uh, and then the, the little keyboard line, I think, is my. I have like a little circuit vent Casio SK1. It's that, you know, that old Casio that mm-hmm. you can sample mm-hmm. on or whatever. And that that is through a guitar pedal, like through like some reverb pedal or something. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those tracks. I, mean, I think it only has like four elements pretty much. Like, right. it's track. Basic, that song is so all- brilliant. I was like listening to it right before the guys came over. I'm like, I'm going to like play this at my funeral. Like, this is like some like deep life <laughs> right. shit. It's this like a dirge. It's like a hard dirge. Well, thanks. And as far as like how well it goes with the lyrics, that's one where I really actually most a lot of these songs I did a lot after Woods laid down the, the, the verses and stuff. This one I really didn't. This one kind of like he just I mean, the, the shit, it's a crazy intense song and it just went over that beat in a good way because i think that beat is like not intense but it like is mm-hmm. intense right at the same yeah time. It's right kind of 
yeah, that, that song had a lot of just like happy accidents, but that was also towards the end of the process. So I think we were both really tuned into the zone. Like mm-hmm. at that point, in the beginning, there was a few like one or two things where we where I was like, oh, I don't know if that one goes right, or like like we like not every single thing was perfect right off the bat. Like when we were making songs, and like by that point, we were just knocking them out. Like every <laughs> time I think he'd be like, "Holy shit!" and like he'd write something super tight, and it would just be yeah, we were. Uh, really honed in on it that's awesome uh before we let you go i was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about uh milo and working with milo and your friendship with milo and like how you're kind of how you see your collaboration with him i mean similar to woods like when we when me and rory first met uh bus driver had brought him over to my house when he was in town this is like way back like probably around the time dorner versus tookie was being done or whatever uh, and we just also kind of clicked and then we went on that tour together and kind of clicked even further and me seeing what he was doing at the time. Like I hadn't really been exposed to his music until Reagan had brought him over to my house that day. Uh, and this was right when two state suburb was coming out. Mm. I like, that was one of the first times in the, mo- I mean, I've done whole albums with people a number of times in the past before this, before so the flies don't come, but that was, in this more modern era of my releases, that was one of those moments where I really, I loved what he was doing, but I heard an idea of what I would want to do with him kind of. And it just really, and then once I started sending him some beats, like it just clicked. It it was similar. Like once he honed in on the vibe, it was effortless. Like the album just came together without having to like try super hard. It just, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, and I love working with Rory, uh, and we're still working together. Uh, oh, I probably can't talk too much about that. Yeah, but, yeah, um, all good. <laughs> we'll be listening. So, yep. so you you got hiding places out? Uh, is that when is that coming out? That comes out on Friday. Okay, but it will be out by uh, the time it, this it, comes out. Right. Oh, okay, <laughs> right. okay. By the time we air this, hiding places will be out. Um, Happy little trees. Um, and Ode to Bob Ross is out right now. Uh, what what else you got coming down the pipe? Well, the, we, I don't have any type of release date for this yet, but you know who, like, you know Sam Herring from uh, Future Island? Yeah. yeah. So he, he also raps. Like a rap thing with him? That's cool. Yeah. So we have an we have an album as well together that's already finished. I, in fact, so I finished the Woods album, like, after I got off tour with, with Milo last fall, like, for the, the tour that I did for Happy Little Trees, like, in November. And then right after I finished the Woods album, Sam came out, and we finished the Sam album. Uh, so that is done, though. I don't know. I have a feeling it'll come out this fall. Uh, okay. But yeah. that album that is also really, really fucking dope, too, to be honest. Uh, and totally different vibe. Like, huh. this is on some more classic i don't know like i'm not even concerned about when it comes out because it has such a classic sound to it i think that it'll be cool whenever it comes out whether it came out like five years ago or five years from now but hopefully it's coming out this year (laughs) okay well we appreciate you making the time man uh we'll definitely uh be talking more about the, the hiding places project just yeah thank you man appreciate it cool thank you guys for having me uh it was fun appreciate it man take care peace
shout out to Kenny Siegel. Uh, Beanie, not Steven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, w- once again, producers, uh, when given a chance to talk about their work, usually pretty eloquent. We've had, right, a, we've right. had a good run of producers yeah, coming right, on. Yeah, right, right. And, and Kenny was another one. Just very insightful, you know, um, very thoughtful with every answer and kind of exactly what you're looking for if you're trying to nerd out regarding a specific song. Totally. It's yeah. perfect. The and only uh, thing I wish is that we could do more in-person interviews so that someone knows when I'm about to interrupt them because I'd be like <laughs> leaning in and making hand gestures like I must speak. It's so hard on the phone. I'm just like, I'm just going to cut you off, dude. I have to yeah, ask my question. Yeah, yeah. And that's just me being a bad person. No, and like, you know, it's also a bad a, interviewer, really. It's, it's a lack of dynamics, dude. I've been doing it forever. It's yeah. incredibly hard. Totally. You're yeah. like, sure, sure, sure. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So back well, to my question. Yeah. Um, remember when you were in the Beatles? How, yeah. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, we thank uh, Kenny for coming on. Definitely check out Hiding Places. Check out um, Incredible Happy Apple. Little Cheese. So Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think uh, my favorite line, just because it, it relates back to one of our earlier episodes, is I'm not trying to see Nas at Carnegie Hall. Oh, uh, we were just wow. talking about that. So Jeez. into him saying that. Wow. Same so yeah. perfect. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think um, that in uh, what does Wood say? I'm not a man of the people. I wouldn't kick it with half of y'all. Yeah. <laughs> He's like the, the king of one and two liners. Totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Related, unrelated, if you guys just listened to the whole interview, uh, Milo and Elucid as Nostrum Grocers just put out like a kind of like an iPhone shot video of them driving around the coast of Maine for oh, a track that's not on the album. And Milo no says this thing. He goes, uh, Dr. Octagon, ecologist, apologist with a personal policy of standoffishness. Ooh. And I was oh. like chisel this shit on my fucking oh, gravestone oh. dude that like just pretty much sums up my life wow, such wow. a brilliant line that's i've been thinking awesome. about that for days <laughs> i will be thinking about that for months it's that's just like dope. that's that's it right there that's that's, that's my life that's dope that's and dope. i i really like how you know there is this this energy in la where right. where all the people you know the fact that milo has worked with kenny i mean mm-hmm. it's there's all this kind of synergy going on and, and so much dope stuff coming out, but there's just dope stuff coming out in general. Totally, uh, totally. Well, right. Chris has a new joint um, entitled Guns, correct? Yeah, yeah. totally. Uh, that uh, we, we single got Obamacare is out now. Oh. I, actually, I think it'll be out by the time you guys hear this, but yeah, as I of right so now, too. we're recording this on the 25th. No, yeah, the Obamacare joint has a video, so that's Yeah, no, that's that's, that's out. Yeah. But yeah. the whole album will be out on right. Friday, I think. Yeah, um, it's. Uh, I think it's streaming on NPR as well. Right, they did the first listen yeah. thing. Oh man, it's, it's yeah, such, really a, good, such a good album. Right, it's, right. He has weird moments of sort of silliness and stuff, but this one, it's like it's controlled silliness. It's totally. so dope. I love it so much. Yeah, it's really, really good. I'm super into it. We actually listen. I on Saturday, I would listen to the Woods and Siegel, the Quelle Chris, and the Makami and Mugs. Mm-hmm. And I the the Woods one, I just I'm like. Really taken with it. I really like it. Quelle Chris, I could inter- appreciate in an intellectual way. Mm-hmm. Like, I really like this. It's really good, but it's not like moving my heart. And the Makami, I thought was kind of okay. Yeah, same. I had really high expectations for that yeah. one, especially Muggs has been on such a run. Totally. And Makami has this sort of underground groundswell of support. And uh, I don't know. Sometimes magic doesn't happen. Well, yeah. well, I think sometimes with uh, the Hami character, I think uh, sometimes you're legend like maybe out mm-hmm. outgrows your actual mm-hmm. output. And mm-hmm. I think that's where we're at with Hami now. I think he's dope. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I've heard stuff he from him. He can certainly rhyme. He can rhyme. He's got an interesting way of going about it, but his scarcity model, I think right. has created this legend that's a good point. that where his expectation is maybe a little bit higher because right. from what I understand, he hasn't been rapping forever. 
Like no, he's, totally. Yeah, so he's kind of. I think his best work is is coming. That's interesting. Um, yeah, but with the Quell Chris album, Quelle Chris, uh, the social commentary that's weaved into that mm-hmm. shit is just mm-hmm. so heavy. And they were trying for that on the last joint, the Everything Is Fine right. joint, yeah. and it didn't really land. On this one, I was, I had moments because I was like you, I was like kind of cleaning up and going around the house and doing stuff and being like, damn, mm-hmm. that was fucking deep right there. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I got, I kind of get caught sometimes. Right. Um, so right. I, I really, I really would encourage folks to, to check out guns. When, uh, when one last thing: out. Have did either of you listen to the Edo Eto and Mugs album? I think no. I sent. Oh, it oh to I did, Dave. I did, I it's did. Pretty good. I like it. I actually like it more than the Makami. Uh, so do I. That's Even, why I brought it up. I was like, if you're looking for the new Mugs shit and right, you want to like right. maybe check out a new MC, mm-hmm. a lot of our listeners only listen to old music as they constantly <laughs> like to tell us. If you want to check out some new music, this Edo album is pretty good. Though I will say, I think the crack related skits make it seem dated mm, it, yeah. it's like the rhyming is really good he has the right. grimiest voice ever grimy voice uh the guest spots are, are fantastic totally um the griselda cats murder it i mean i think even mayhem loren has a track and totally it, and it was like sort of um a, a refreshing dude who comes in and spits rhymes totally it's interesting know? too because uh mayhem is so cadence right. oriented right. it's like somebody who like really hits right right on the like each part of the mm-hmm, bar mm-hmm, properly like mm-hmm. it's really like rhyming 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 yeah rapping rapping yeah he rap, yeah. he rapping rapping yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so and anyway he, and usually like when he gets on it's like yeah but i but on this i mean given that he was one of the few people who sort of has that style yeah it totally was pronounced it was great totally so so yeah i mean rap is around man i just i really i really i chafe at the notion <laughs> When people are like, "Oh, where's the hip hop?" Those people like, are not paying attention. Right. Yeah, yeah. I just there's there's so much. Um, Rock Marciano hasn't even dropped an album yet this year. Jeez. Dude, you know, six <laughs> albums are coming. Yeah, like, dude. I mean, so we're we're definitely. I, I think we started a podcast at a good time. I don't know that. Uh, right. Yeah, I don't know that this was always the case, but we're definitely. I really wish we had started ten years ago, but you know, <laughs> here we are. This is a perfectly good time to be doing it. There's a lot to talk about, certainly. Absolutely. Uh, the game keeps morphing and changing. So, you know, we definitely want you to go out and keep hiding places. Um, Super dope project. So good. Peep guns. Uh, Quill Chris. Um, anything else that you guys are, are fucking with heavy in the in the rapidy rap? Oh, oh, I know. This is my lane to talk about. Da baby. Da baby. You're into da baby. I am. into. This da surprises baby. me. I am into da baby. Um, horrible name. But. This is the new rapidly rap trap guy. Um, gives me like two chains, young two chains feels. Okay, uh, okay. young chains. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. He's he's definitely he is definitely a rapper. So okay. his style, his cadences, he's kind of got this. Like, but it's not Lil Baby. No, Lil Baby. <laughs> not to Gunna? be confused. It's not to be confused with Lil Baby. And he's not Sada Baby. And he's not Sada Baby. He's not okay. Andy Face. And he's not the guy who runs Cash Money Records. <laughs> he, he's not Baby Baby. And he's not that thing in the stroller that won't shut up. <laughs> no, he's Da Baby. Uh, wow. He's got he's got a joint called Walker Texas Ranger, uh, where I'm just yeah I'm I was kind of blown away with how villainous and funny it is at the same time okay it's, it's murderous problematic trap music but he also wow. has a sense of humor about okay, it okay um and apparently he did kill somebody and he's kind Ooh. of like yeah so that's how he starts the song off is like talk, well, talking I, about that the name's very apt um, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i've never even heard of him i don't know what you're googling yeah <laughs> you guys don't know about the baby i've, I've heard of the baby yeah. because of the like 
rap writers in rap Twitter talks about yeah, the baby. I mean, I've heard the name. And I, I'm not doing my own bit there where they're like, why is everyone named baby all of a sudden? Right. Right. Um, right. Not baby well, I guess, driver. I guess you can There's go. also <laughs> infant if you. Yeah, right. Because there, there's young and there's Lil. And now yeah, it's right. straight. Now he's got to go fetus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, he had, he had a couple straight of straight nucleus. <laughs> zygote. Young zygote. <laughs> Lil zygote. Um. Yeah, so that that's my that's my hot pick of the week is uh Oh, I will listen to that. is Da Baby. Okay. Uh There's nothing better stuff. for my office-bound lifestyle than some murderous trap. <laughs> you you <laughs> need it. up that after work afternoon <laughs> after lunch kind of uh, slowness. That's what I'm doing. you break out the spreadsheets. Yeah. That's what you need <laughs> is a little uh, murderous trap. So, um yeah, man, rap music's alive and well. This is where you come to uh listen to three quasi experts uh talk about it we have all the dopest interviews um by now our hard to earn episode with some snippets from the actual dj premiere should be yeah i'm just saying i'm just saying (laughs) no that's all that's all dave ma but we we definitely uh appreciate you listening and we'll continue to crank out dope shows every week it is the dad bod rap pod Mm -hmm.